Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey everyone, I'm Robin, and today on Dear Headspace, we have questions about setting boundaries with your kids' friends, dealing with neurotic parents, and never feeling like you're enough. Let's get right to it. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace a podcast where I sit with a meditation teacher and we answer your questions. Hi, friends. I am excited to be here with you for another episode of Dear Headspace. Now, today, our questions are all about back to school and mindful parenting. And I am so excited to have Sam here with me because she is an expert when it comes to kids and mindfulness-based tools. Absolutely. Happy to be here with you, Robin. And yeah. You're going to cover for me because we know that I am not an expert in mindfulness-based tools for kids. <laughs> well, you're an expert in, in many things about parenting, as I've been able to uh, <laughs> deduce from your stories. <laughs> I mean, would my kids say the same thing? Yes. Um, all right. Let's just roll right into our first question from Angie. Okay. Here she is. Sounds good. Hi, this is Angie from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My daughter is 12 and she has a friend at school who is a lot. 
it's really hard for us to keep boundaries and my daughter actually would like to spend less time with them. But at the same time, my daughter is very concerned with making sure that she treats her with kindness and is considerate for her feelings. What suggestions do you have for setting boundaries with friends that really my kids don't want to be friends with anymore? Thanks. Hmm. Oh, that is a very tough question. It is. Because you know your kid's been that kid sometime. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah, my stepdaughter just went through something like that. She had this like kind of best friend who is now in the foster care system mm-hmm. in Sweden. And um, she just stopped hanging out with her because she was getting into trouble yeah. and kind of hanging out with the the kids that were, were doing stuff that were a bit dangerous. And so, um, yeah, it was just – for me, it's – primarily about listening and just getting to know what like what has changed making space for that talking about like do you mean with yourself or do you mean with that person with, with your child yeah okay, just like okay. exploring what caused the change in in or in the relationship in the relationship mm-hmm. yeah and needing boundaries because i think it's a great opportunity to talk about what you do look for in a friendship and what makes you feel safe and what allows you to trust yeah. your friends so that you start to look for the behaviors that that you that are actually facilitating a healthy relationship. Yeah. But yeah, talking about, you know, I remember leading this one workshop on how to be aware of when you feel in a, like you're in a trusting safe relationship and what helps you to sh- share vulnerably with people. Yeah. And uh, Brene Brown has like incredible insights into this. So yeah. I used her acronym uh, braving as a way to like um, structure the conversation. I don't know that. You got to tell me what that is. I don't know if I remember all of them. Can, give us, but can we get the gist? One of them is boundaries. Mm-hmm. B is boundaries. Um, a is accountability. V is being a vault, meaning like whatever's shared with you, you keep that a secret. You don't, sh- you know, gossip. Yep. yep. Oh, that's good. Um, I is integrity. So have, what does it mean to have integrity? And the fourth graders, like they were on board for this whole oh, conversation. Yeah. I thought I'm might be boring them, but they they really love this topic because yeah. friendships are incredibly important at this time in life. Um, N is non-judgment. And the G is generosity. So being generous, not just the way we typically think of generosity, but being generous with our assumptions about other people. So if, tell me what that means. Yeah. So if someone's having if someone's behaving in a way that's upsetting to you or it's causing you discomfort, yep. instead of assuming that they're just being a jerk, it's better to assume and and imagine what could be causing, like maybe they're having, maybe something difficult's happening in their life. Right. Maybe their parents are divorcing. Maybe they had a loss. So you kind of explore all the reasons why their behavior tends to change. Yeah. And that allows you to to kind of greet the situation with more compassion instead of assuming that they're just a mean person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's really important to talk to kids about too. It's just, I remember doing this one exercise with this client I had. He was, I think he was like third grade. And I asked him to show me his yearbook. And I said, point, because he, his mom called me and said he was getting into bullying behavior with his friends. Okay. And she, that was the main issue. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's look at your yearbook and tell me who's the weird kid in your class. And I used that language yeah. specifically because I knew he would relate to it. Yeah. Uh, not that I would ever say that about a child, um, but he immediately pointed to this one child in yep. his class. And I said, "What is? tell me what it's like when he walks in the room. How do you feel around this person? And we started to talk about it. 
And we we basically got to the point where he said what makes him most uncomfortable about this one child was that he didn't know what his behavior would be like oh, any given day. He was unpredictable. And I said, yeah, so let's explore some reasons why he might have this unpredictable yeah. way of being. Like, And I talked to him. That's where some psychoeducation can come in, too. Like, yeah. So to go over all the different reasons why mood changes drastically, behavior changes drastically. And I didn't really know if things were changing with this client. He He wasn't very talkative. But his mom called me like a week later and said, what are you doing with him? Like, what are you doing? And I, it was scary. <laughs> were you like, were you like yeah, what? I was like, uh, is everything okay? She's like, no, he's, he's stopped. He stopped the bullying behavior. He's oh, hanging out amazing. with different kids. And I, I told her what we did and I encouraged her to keep exploring like how he felt around like different classmates. Compassion, really. yeah, yeah. Just breaking it down because first you want your child to start to understand, you know, what's going on in, in everyone's psyche, yep. like their own, but also other people have different um, things that they're grappling with that are invisible, yeah. right? So helping them to become compassionate people through using these situations as an opportunity to talk about mental health and yeah. getting in touch with their own feelings and needs around what they need and want in a friendship. Okay. I love all that, but I want to ask you this side of it. What if you're at a point where you no longer want the friendship and there's judgment or there's feelings of guilt about separating? What's your advice for that? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, just honoring their feelings and where they are, just saying it's okay that you don't want to spend as much time with them and and I can help you figure out how to to do that gracefully, right? So I think about the public spaces that their child might share with this person, right? Like recess, lunch, yep. and the importance of being kind in those moments, even if you've decided not to spend time as much time with them outside of school, yeah. but just to treat them with kindness and um, and respect in yeah. those public areas so that the, you know, you don't start to see those avoidance behaviors or ignoring them or, right, right? like, because that can feel like the easier option. Like, oh, just not oh, acknowledge sure. their I mean, existence. a lot of adults do that. Right, right. right. Just kind of, the, my, my friend Barb uh, trademarked it, the slow fade. And you don't want to fr- friend anybody anymore. You just slowly fade them out. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we're all we all do that. So it could be helpful to role play too. I love like, a good role play. If, yeah, love isn't it. it fun? I love, I love it. role plays. Me too. I love role plays. Of course we do. Sam. <laughs> so yeah, you play the friend or as the parent, you know, and and imagine what you would do. Okay, what feelings are coming up as you see her on the playground? What do you want? What's the urge? Yeah, like is the urge to run away? Okay, what can we say instead? Yeah, like. Oh, good to see you. I'm going to play with so and so, like, or I'm going to go have lunch here. Just communicating what you're doing, and which is being polite and um, and kind. Yeah, but not feeling coerced or like you have to force yourself into hanging yeah. out with them. And what if there's a kid way yes. to to be like. I'm really overscheduled right now with a lot of after school activities. And I, I mean, it's a little bit skating up to not being truthful in, yeah. the, in that it is lying. <laughs> well, it depends on how old the child is, too, right? Like, you yeah. you wouldn't expect a five year old to be able to negotiate that. I think as a parent, you kind of kind of step yeah. in yeah. if the, because usually you're coordinating those play dates yeah. parent to parent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when they're around eight, seven, eight, nine, you know, then you can have that conversation and start to rehearse ways that feel comfortable. Yeah. It's maybe not going to ever be comfortable, but maybe a way that you can stomach. Yeah. Because then you'll help them figure out what it is that's causing the 
the need to pull back. Yeah. And encouraging, I think kids need this more than ever because they're so used to texting everything. Like as much as you can, encouraging an actual face-to-face conversation or a phone call at least, just a voice. Yeah. Um, Yeah, So you're not just slow fading. Yes, exactly. Sam, I'll tell you what, if after this you aren't available to me, I will know what's going on. And I I'm will be always like, available to okay, thank you. And that is what I needed to hear. I will not make a fool out of you ever. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Angie, thank you so much for your question. That was a really, that was a really great question. It was. Great question. Okay. Let's move on to our yes. next question from Aileen. All right. With the kids getting back to school soon, I'm mostly worried about how do I not react to the neurotic parents who are wanting to overcommit themselves, overcommit their kids, and the pressures around comparing myself and my kids to that. It's just a place I'm not looking forward to getting back to. I just kind of balanced myself again, and how do I not react to that? Hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. It's like the parenting rat race of like what keeping up with the Joneses and all of that. Yeah. Because that is really hard. Like, I live in New York City, and all the things I said I wouldn't get bunged up about, you know, like the high school choice and like elementary schools, and like cut to me with spreadsheets, <laughs> paying experts to be like, tell me which school I should send my kid to. It was like I was an insane per- And I said I was not going to do that. Right. And then the the back and forth of like, okay, no, I'm not doing it. I'm doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm doing it. Like, yeah. It was like, you don't want to break your kid and of you want to make sure that they have every option available. Every As I was listening to you, I'm just thinking, yeah, of course. Of yeah. course you want the best for your child. You want to. And we're wired to look and see what others are doing. I mean, yes. that's the advice that we trust the most. Yes, yes. looking and seeing what you're actually doing, yeah. right? If someone's giving you advice, you're like, okay, that's well and good. But if you see what they're, where they're putting their child, what they're investing in, yeah, that's the thing you're going to trust. Yeah. So just to say that behavior is coming from a place of love and care. It's natural. You yes. want to optimize. You want to make sure you're doing your best because you have a limited time frame and that early childhood education is really, really important. Yeah. So- yeah, of course. That's we the don't want to break our kids. <laughs> so go ahead. So, so Aileen, what we heard going, was just, keep just be as crazy as possible <laughs> and just befriend all of them. Good luck. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Aileen, we're just kidding. Don't do that. No, no, there's more. We'll, we'll say more. Um, but yeah, but just to, so when you notice your mind starting to do that, because I heard you say that you're not looking forward to the start of the school year because all that starts up in you again. It's yeah. like an engine that revs up. And we're like, oh, God, now what do I do with all this stress? It's an added stress. So, you know, when we're meditating, for example, we notice – we try to greet each thought the same, the the most stressful thoughts and the most mundane thoughts, right? So when you notice your mind comparing, you can label it comparing. Oh, that's my mind comparing again. Okay. And to do it with a sense of kindness and from that place of compassion, knowing that, like what I said just now, that it's coming from a place of care. So you can say, Aileen, I'm, I'm do- my mind, you're doing this because you care. And what that does is it prevents it from spiraling out of control. And then if something comes up over and over, well, then write it down, you know, yeah. journal about it and say, okay, I really want her to learn how to ride a horse. I don't know yeah. why. It just seems important to me. And that brings me to something I did at a family retreat that I, I think is really um, a beautiful practice to do as a family, to give you kind of a compass for your family. And that's creating a family mission statement. 
which is a collection of values that you have, right? So let everyone go around the table and you can even print out lists of value words and come up with a mission plan, a mission statement as a family, and then talk about how you can take action that aligns with those values. And that'll keep you coming back to that North Star, that like, this is what we're about. And it can change, right? As you get older, as your priorities change, your values might change. So that's okay. But it gives you a roadmap so that when you feel that confusion or that compar- comparison start to happen, you yep. can go, okay, horseback riding. How does that tie into our values? Yeah. Am right? I doing it because Linda's family is horseback right. riding? Or is it because it's something that I want for my kid and X, Y, and Z is the reason? Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's great. And then everyone can create their own individual mission statement too, Yeah. right? So you have one as a family. What are our collective values or where do they overlap? But what are our individual values? And then right. your child will have that list to come back to or that statement. And you can do it with art. If your children are young, you yeah. can have them draw about their values and paint and put it up on the walls so that you see it and you come back to it. Yeah. And that gives us this this deep sense of confidence in who we are or who we're becoming. You know, it's like this is... I think that's fantastic. Right. Or if, if like it, relaxation is one of your va- yeah. family values, it's like, oh, we're over scheduling. So that's going to interfere yes. with our value of relaxation, right? So, and maybe you guys love going, you know, a mile a minute and it's just exciting to yeah. stay busy all the time. And that's one of your values. That's so, amazing. And then, then you know, then it you just know. gives you like, yeah. it gives you like, hard parameters to know like what you're doing. There's actually a guided cuz I I got obsessed with this idea of a personal mission statement like but if you google it and um Stephen Covey? Yeah, I think his name is Stephen Covey, the family that wrote 7 Habits of Highly Effective People. But there's a guided process yeah. that like these questions that guide you into identifying your values and helping you craft a personal mission statement. And they're great. They're really, even just standalone, the yeah. questions you can use as like dinner table conversation yeah. and take it at your own pace. You know, they're they're great. I feel like we're, I'd be remiss if we aren't talking about, there's a mindfulness component to this. Like you're going into a stressful time, like to kick in that practice if you're not regularly practicing. Absolutely. Because everything we do in meditation is like concentrated lab time. That's how I think about it, right? So every time you sit in meditation, you're labeling thoughts, labeling planning, comparison, uh, remembering, whatever it is, that that skill and that habit will come into practice in your daily life. Yeah. You'll be better able to catch when your mind's doing that yeah. a lot sooner than if it just, you know, the train's already like yeah. miles <laughs> da- out of the station, right? <laughs> so everything you're doing in the meditation is your is your practice time to for real life. For Linda. For when you need it the most. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Linda. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck, Aileen. I, you're going to nail it. We have confidence. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so let's go on to our next question from Luca. All right. Hi, this is Luca from Germany. I've been meditating with Headspace for more than four years now. It's already helped me in many aspects of my life that would just take too much time to mention them all. There's one aspect where I don't see the progress that I wish for, and that's when I'm feeling restless or stressed. I have a lot of things in my life, like my wife, my job, my son, that I love dearly. I wouldn't want to change or miss anything in my life right now but there's just always a lot to do a lot to keep in mind and uh, well I tend to put a lot of pressure in myself to uh, keep in control of everything Um, and yeah I get stressed (laughs) Um, I I see what's happening Um, I start judging myself for being stressed there's thoughts like okay you've been meditating for so long now you shouldn't even get so stressed I get stressed about being stressed and 
then you know I get more stressed and I judge myself for that so yeah um, I think you you see the cycle <laughs> and I was just wondering um, am I just being unrealistic or should I just be more patient or do you have any other advice for me on this um, I would be really grateful to hear from you thank you first of all thank you Luca for this question <sighs> it's it's not directly a parenting question, but I do think this is something a lot of parents go through as well. So I think this fits nicely in with our whole theme, but Absolutely. I'm hearing perfectionism out the out the wazoo in this question. Yeah. Yeah. And that very familiar feeling of restlessness and, you know, the energy sometimes when you sit down and your mind is racing yeah. and meditation also feels like the last thing you can do <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. So first, I want to just say that there are other options for seating, a seated meditation. And in this situation, Luca, what you're describing, it seems like walking or standing would be a great modification. Yeah. It's not even a modification. It's just a, a different choice. Yeah. The, I'll give you an example. Like this morning, I was – I am very restless in the mornings. Like I just want to go, go, go. Yeah. But I meditate in the mornings. But today, I started with – um, six minutes of walking. So I walk very slow and I think of the words, I have arrived. I have arrived with each step. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's a great, just like, here I am. This is now. This yeah. is my life. And um, you go as slow as you need to, to feel the sensations in your feet. And that's, it's a really great measure yeah. because you know, when you've, your mind has left your feet. You know, oh, you just sure. know, you can feel it. You, yeah. you know, the moment it happens. So you go, I go like painful. If anyone saw me, I mean, it would probably relax them because watching someone move very slowly can be very relaxing. You're like doing the Tai Chi version of walking. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm doing it with my hands right now, but like the heel, yeah. arch, toe, heel. That's my favorite part about walking slow. meditation is like feeling your heel, feeling it roll and yes. then go up into the next foot. Like exactly. I love that. Yeah, it's under under taught, I would say, or people think it's like not as effective as a seated meditation, but it really is. And yeah. combining them, that's why I did six minutes of walking and then I have a nice little alarm that tells me, okay, your next 10 minutes will be seated. But playing with it, you know, yeah. starting with the with the walking and then sitting or doing the whole time standing and yeah. walking. But the tool of slowing down, I cannot emphasize. It helps me immensely. It's something I teach to children. Yeah. One of the first things I teach is like slow walking, which as you can imagine for kids, <laughs> for is kids, so painful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? Like, what are you making us do? Um, but I use drums and stuff. I'm just picturing kids just like dancing as they're <laughs> trying to slow down. Exactly, exactly. Those kids are so ants in the pants. Yes, yes, exactly. Um the other part I was hearing is about stress and our relationship to stress. And um, I've been listening a lot to Kelly McGonigal lately. Have you heard of her? She's no. a Stanford researcher, psychologist. Um, but her research is really valuable. And it talks about how to reframe stress because the stress we, – we're trained to think that stress is very bad for us. Yeah. That there's all these physiological effects from, you know, cancer to – you know, shortening our lifespan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way we frame stress can actually affect the way our body feels from right. it. So it's really important to stop and go, okay, I feel stressed because I care, because I have meaning in my life. Yeah. Right? If you didn't, it's like the, what I was saying in the beginning, if you don't have meaning in your life, you don't have things you care about, people you care about, yeah, you might have less stress, but you'll be just 
hopelessly depressed, right? Sure. <laughs> what is life? What does it mean? What is it all for? Why am I here? Yeah, exactly. So I would say in those moments when you're feeling stressed to go, to stop, take a breath, slow down, and then to say, I am feeling the stress because I have meaning in my life, because I care about what I'm about to do, because I care about my child and I want them to be I want them to thrive. Yeah. And also, she also talks about taking stress and utilizing the energy that it gives us. Right, so when we right. feel acute stress or that that fight or flight response, we'll feel our heart racing. Yeah. We'll feel our attention becomes focused, but we're energized. I yeah. mean, we can get through. I think of times where I didn't have sleep and I had to do a whole day of like paying attention to someone and being very on. Yeah. And because I care so much and because I had the stress and the adrenaline, I was able to do it. I yeah. was able to meet the demands of the day. So there's nothing wrong with you because you're feeling stress. Right. It's right. part and parcel of a of a full, meaningful life. And it, you can take that energy and when you're feeling it and say, okay, I'm going to use this to mobilize myself instead of ruminating or trying to suppress the stress. Yeah. Because that's what makes everything worse is when we say – Stress is wrong. I shouldn't be feeling it. There's something wrong with me. I have to get rid of it. Yeah. That's the recipe for things getting worse. Yeah. So instead, do the opposite, right? Go, this is normal. I have it stress because I have meaning and, yeah. and I care. And I'm going to use this energy in my body to mobilize myself into action, put yeah. myself into action, or look at what is causing it and how it reflects something I care about and or maybe something that needs to be changed. Yeah. Right? It, we feel stress sometimes when something we care about is under threat. So it's like, let's look at what could potentially be under threat and how we can fix it or make change or take action. That's so interesting. Luca, that just good luck. And, yes. and like all the do all the things Sam said. I mean, yes. really, I think that's it. Just do all the things Sam said. I, I support that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to title this episode, Do All the Things Sam Said. <laughs> and be kind to Sam yourself. We end every episode saying this, but we can't say it enough. Like, yeah. please be kind to yourself and and just know that you're not doing anything wrong by stressing, yes. right? The stressing is there. It's part of life. But if you can take that energy and and let it fuel you and realize that it means that you love, care, want to be the best version of yourself for everyone in your life, that is a beautiful thing. And that can open your heart to That's compassion. Yeah. That's all we're trying to do, yeah. right? It's just do the best we can. And and I'm going to be taking home so many of the tips that you gave today. I'm going to try them with my kids. I'm going to fail, but then I'll bring them back in the next episode. <laughs> bring them back. All right, Samer, just I say, wish me luck. I think we all know that I am going to need it. Yeah. Well, we have a parenting course, a mindful parenting. It's actually a collection. <laughs> Wait, so. are you saying I'm going to need it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, wait, go ahead. Yes. You go ahead. I mean, we could all use it. It's, yes, it's yeah. going to be good. It's, nice it's our collective wisdom. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll hear from, in the collection, you hear from all the teachers and and it's just like this, this treasure trove of lived experience, knowledge and wisdom coming from the lived experience, but also what we know from science, what we yeah. know from research and, and of course the world of mindfulness. I mean, and in all seriousness, I mean, I don't think there's a parent in the world that doesn't think that that would be helpful yes. in all seriousness. <laughs> all right. I want to give a very special shout out to our callers today, Angie, Aileen, and Luca. I mean, these were such thoughtful questions and, you know, if you are at home or maybe you're on the treadmill right now, I don't know what you're doing, but you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I have a question that I'd like some wisdom on. I'm here to tell you all you have to do is click the link in the show notes or you're going to go to sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace to record your question. And as they say in every preschool known to man, easy peasy lemon squeezy. 
I don't know where that came from, but it sticks. <laughs> um, and I do have to tell you, if we use your question on the show, you're going to get three months of Headspace for free. Which is awesome. Yeah. And then, as you know, each week, we'd love to leave you with an opportunity to pause and reflect on what you just heard, what we just talked about, and just to give yourself space to digest all this, all this good stuff. And it's a time for you to transition from this moment into the next part of your day. And so as you listen to the sounds of this lovely waterfall in the distance, just let your mind do whatever it wants to do. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and please be kind to each other. Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Christamy. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll. Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Merguia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz.